Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Um, how many of you in the room this morning would say you're tired? You're tired. Uh, the conversations that I have with people, and it's one of my favorite parts about my job. I certainly love teaching God's Word and that kind of thing, but one of the favorite parts of my job is talking with people about the life situations that they're in. And one of the things that I constantly hear is that people are tired. Uh, as a matter of fact, no one anymore asks, how you doing? And you, everybody responds with, I'm busy and I'm, I'm tired. It seems to be the other kind of pandemic that we face in our world today. And to be honest, there's, there's really no reason um, why that should surprise us, right? I mean, just think about yourself. Think about what you do any typical day, okay? I, I just kind of go through some things. You wake up, get dressed, get the kids up, get the kids dressed, pack the lunch, take the kids, drive to work, put up with them, right? Run some errands. At lunch break, you have 30 minutes, but you run errands, and so you end up not eating lunch at all. You answer emails. You put up with that person. Maybe you work a construction job. Maybe you make something for a living, and then when you get off of work, you've got to go by there before you go home. You've got to go pick up the kids. You've got to get the kids to practice. You've got to get the kids baths. You've got to get the kids to bed. You've got to get a bath. You've got to get to bed. You've got to eat supper. They've got to eat supper, and by the time you lay down at night, you're You're tired. And even more so than the things that we do, most of us, if we're honest this morning, the thing that's more taxing isn't the things that we do, but it's we're emotionally tired. The last year and a half has kicked a lot of our tails. The thoughts that you wrestle with on a daily basis, the lies that you've been told, the lies that you believe that run through your mind, the task that you have to do, constantly worrying about dropping something, constantly worrying about this ball not staying in the air long enough for you to get this ball, constantly having to be strong for somebody else, constantly feeling like you have to live up to a certain standard because that's the standard that so-and-so is used to. And if you don't live up to that standard, then it's going to let them down. I think we're, we're tired. And it's, it's fitting because never before have we lived in a more distracted and tiring time? The things that we have that are supposed to make our lives easier, right? That are supposed to, to make it easier for us to get this done, are supposed to make it easier for us to communicate, are the very things that statistics will say most people are addicted to this. They're the very things that are even wearing us out more. The 24-hour news cycle, the notifications, the interruptions, we're, we're tired. I'm tired. Can I be real? I'm tired. And one of the things that God showed me several months ago is he gave me this thought. What if being tired isn't about the amount of sleep you've gotten 
or the vacation that you haven't taken. But what if there's something more? This morning, for the next few moments, I want to speak from this subject of rest assured. Rest assured. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. And I say talk because I really do. I just want to talk about rest assured. Today is probably going to be a little toned down for me. You know, I like to get fired up. I like to get excited. But I really, I just want to talk to you about something that, that God has done in me over the last several months. And hopefully, the way that he has taught it to me will come through in a way that is helpful to you. Does that sound good? Luke 10, starting in verse 38. Says so as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village. We learn in the other gospels that this village is, is Bethany, where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So the disciples, Jesus, they're on a journey. They stop by this family friend of theirs, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You remember Lazarus? That's, that's the house they're stopping at. They were brothers and sisters, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. This was their house. Lazarus was the one, remember, who, who died. Mary and Martha, they come up to him and say, they come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, why didn't you heal him? If you would have been here earlier, he wouldn't have died. Jesus says, y'all watch this. Southern version, y'all watch this. And speaks to him and he comes out of the grave, right? And they're... They're family, they're family friends. Now, it's, it's interesting that in this particular passage, it says it's the home of Martha. Because typically in this culture, the house would have been identified by the male that lived there. So we don't necessarily know where Lazarus is, but it says Mary and Martha are the only ones home when Jesus and his uh, disciples stop by. And it says that Martha is the host to Jesus and his disciples. And I want you to look how Luke... Contrast Mary and Martha in this story. Verse 39 says, her sister, Mary, sat. Her sister, Mary, sat. Now, this sitting position in this culture would would have meant complete humility on Mary's part. This sitting was the place of someone who was humble and ready to listen to a teacher. So it means something. She sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Now, sitting didn't only say that she was willing to listen. The word sat in that passage literally means to settle in or to dwell. How many of y'all, y'all have a recliner that you can, like, you don't just sit in, right? You don't just sit in, you settle in. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, it's, 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 it's conditioned and shaped for your, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? And it hugs all the right parts in the right ways. And so when you sit in it, you, you settle in it, right? That's, that, that's what, that's what Mary, Mary is doing here. And, and the reason why I want to get that across to you is because Mary isn't just sitting down at the feet of Jesus, but she is settling in in a position of rest and dedication. So Mary, it says, settles in listening to what Jesus taught. So she's, she's resting at the feet of Jesus, ready to listen and to learn. Mary, as we look through scripture, Mary of Bethany is really good at sitting and resting. As a matter of fact, we see her three times in the gospel account. And all three times, she's at the feet of Jesus. She's resting at the feet of Jesus. And so Mary... 
sits at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. And not only was that a position of humility and willingness to listen, but it would also have been the position of a disciple, which is really, really important and doesn't have a whole lot to do about my main point of my message. But it's really, really important because the position of a disciple would have been reserved for a man in this society. And so Jesus is about to commend Mary for taking on the position that a typically a male would have set in in this society. And the reason why I make that point is because I think our culture today needs some people who uplift the people that culture puts down. I think we live, we live in a time that pushes certain people down in a culture of you can't do that or you're not good enough or you don't look the part or you don't have the right color skin or you don't have the right bank account or you don't have the right political beliefs. We put live in a culture that pushes those people down, but Jesus was always about lifting up those that others put down. And if you want to be like Jesus this morning, one simple way you can do it is to lift up those who are either down on their luck or are being pushed down by other people. So Jesus allows this woman to take the position of a man. You know what I think Mary understood that a lot of us forget? It's okay to sit. Do do y'all ever struggle with that? Just sitting down is a struggle? I think that's why some of us are tired. Because what happens when you sit down, you know what? You know there's stuff that needs to be done. You know the dishwasher needs to be unloaded. You saw that spot on the kitchen counter four days ago and it still hadn't been cleaned up and you've cooked right around it three nights since. You know what needs to be done. And so what we do is we are so concerned with what needs to be done that we forget to sit. But apparently it's okay to sit even when there are things around that you could be doing because Jesus is about to commend Mary for sitting while Martha is in the kitchen cooking. It's okay to sit. Let me, take, let me take the pressure off for some of you. It's okay to sit even when there's something else that needs to be done. You know, I, th- you know, I think sometimes we don't like to sit, especially in silence. So we're because afraid of what a non-busy mind is going to bring to us. And so if you stilled yourself and you sat and it was quiet all around you. There was no phone in your hand. There were no notifications to be had. It scares you what your mind would tell you. But Mary seemed to notice that there's something different when you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. When you're listening to the right voice while you rest, rest takes on a different meaning. One of the commentators I read, one of my favorite, and I didn't give his name first service, but I'll give it to you this time, Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorite Bible uh, commentaries, the B series he wrote, which I probably shouldn't say that because now you're going to be like, Jonathan, we see where you got your sermon. I probably shouldn't have said that. No, I'm just kidding. No, but he is. He's really good. But he says this, and this isn't in scripture, and I've never really heard this before, but I think it's a good point. He says, maybe Mary had done her share of work in the kitchen, and then, then had gone to feed on the Lord's teachings. 
Once again, I'm, I've never heard that. It, it's not in scripture. I don't think we can, we can, we can say it uh, definitely. But, but what if? What if Mary had already done her part? What if she was the one who broke the egg, got the cake batter ready, and that was just ready for Mary to put in the oven? What if Mary had already done her part, but in this moment, she valued personal relationship with Jesus more so than she valued perfection? Some of you this morning, the reason why you're worn out is because you're a perfectionist. And your perfectionism is robbing you of your rest. If you wait for everything to be just like you want it before you rest, you'll never get there. Some of us in the room this morning, you have to have everything perfect. You have to have the kids in matching clothes with matching socks, you maniac. You, you have to look a certain part. You have to dress a certain way. You have to have your hair a certain way. You have to drive a certain thing. You have to have the house in a certain condition. You have to have yourself in a certain condition. Everything has to be within your control and within your grasp. And what's happening is you're waiting on things to be perfect and it's killing you in the meantime. Here's my question. Where did you get your idea of perfection? Because a lot of us, it did not come from God. Perfectionism is killing you and robbing you of your rest. Here's the freeing thing that many of you need to write down and memorize and put on your phone, put it in a voice note, let it be your alarm in the morning. It's okay for things to be just okay. It's okay for things to just be okay. They don't have to be perfect. No one expects that of you except for you. And the reason why a lot of us do it is it's because it's the thing that we can control and we can formulate it in our mind. And so if we can have everything perfect around us, if we can just get everything together, then everything will be okay because it's something that we can put our hands on. It's something that we can come up with. But the awful part about perfection, and there's nothing more demoralizing than chasing after something only to realize that it moves when you finally get there. Because what perfectionists do is they focus on a goal. If I can get to here, that will be perfect. They get there, realize it wasn't. They realize that my kid sticks his arms down his shirt and stretches his shirt out even though the clothes are new. Sorry, that was personal. (laughs) But many of you this morning, your perfectionism is robbing you of your rest and you've allowed culture, you've allowed what you think is perfect to shape your idea of perfection. For Mary, the thing that was important to her was resting at the feet of Jesus. Can I just encourage you that some of you this morning, you need to take Mary's lead. Because when you're at the feet of Jesus and you allow him to dictate what perfect means to you, 
and you allow him to speak into you the fact that with him you are justified and you are perfect in all of the ways that matter with a relationship with him. If you will stop for just a moment, sit at the feet of Jesus, let him speak into you who you really are, even without everything being perfect, you will be rest assured. And that is where you find true rest, not in chasing after the endless goal and the unattainable goal of perfection. So what if Mary had kind of done her part and now she chose what was best over what was perfect? So at this point, Martha comes out of the kitchen, flower on her apron, rolling pin in hand, probably hair pulled up, licking an icing spoon. That's gross. That's why I don't eat potluck because some of y'all do that. Verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? It's a rhetorical question, right? Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Jesus looks at her and says, life ain't fair, honey, get a grip. No, I'm just kidding. It's not the rest of the story. So Mary, Mary has a complaint. Uh, Jesus, it's not fair that I'm doing all the work and Mary is sitting in your feet. She's, she's settled in next to you. That's, that's not fair. And most of the time when you hear this story taught in church, what the pastor will do is they will absolutely rail on Martha. And some of you have been in church long enough where you've thought, I'm a Martha, right? So before we before we rail on Martha, and I have more Martha in me than I'm willing to admit, but before we rail on Martha, I just want us to take some time and realize that somebody has to get it done. And that's Martha in this story. Some of you are, some of you are thinking if everybody, she's right, if everybody was like Mary, we would all be singing Kumbaya, but we'd be starving because there wouldn't be any food ready, right? And so and so I get it. And what Jesus is about to do, and what I want you to, to hear me say, is Jesus isn't about to complain and fuss at her for what she's doing. He's going to correct her for what she's missing. Because somebody has to get it done, and Jesus under, understands that. It's not about the fact that she's working. It's about what she's missing while she's trying to make sure all the details get done. Some of you, you're missing your opportunity to rest with the people around you and the Savior of the world because you're so busy. And we get busy on purpose, don't we? Once again, because we don't, we don't like what happens inside our minds when we don't have something to do. And we can we can understand why Martha wants everything to be in good shape, can't you? I mean, Jesus and the disciples are friends of theirs. They're family friends. Jesus is a family friend of her. It's not like Martha is trying to ignore him because she doesn't like him. No, she, she, she likes Jesus. And you can understand why she wants things to, 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 be, to be perfect. You can understand why she doesn't want to leave any box unchecked, right? I mean, he's the savior of the world. But it seems to me Martha is more worried about doing what, was ex what she thought was expected than doing what was best. And this is, this is gonna hurt. It hurts me. Some of you are worn out 
because you're constantly trying to meet others' expectations. Maybe, maybe it started when you were little. And that was, nobody ever told you they loved you until you did something right. Until you were the person that he or she wanted you to be. They never told you good job. And so at a very young age, maybe you started realizing that in order to get appreciated and loved, I have to meet someone's expectations. So as you grew older, it didn't change. You just shifted who you, who you focused that on, didn't you? And so now you find yourself trying to meet expectations of people you don't even like. You, you find yourself trying to meet the expectations, not of your boss at work, but of your coworker, just because they're there. And what happens is you have to meet everybody's expectations in the way you think they want them met. And so what, what ends up happening is you lose yourself in all of these different versions of the people that you have become trying to fulfill the expectations of somebody else. And the thing that will wear you out is trying to keep up with who you are with who and trying to keep a pulse on, are they happy with me? And so now something can happen at work and nobody else thinks about the conversation at all, but because you've suffered from this expectation syndrome for so long, you can't sleep at night because you're worried about it. You accidentally pull out of front of somebody in traffic and you're concerned with what they're thinking because you didn't feel like you met their expectation. It'll wear you out. Some of you, my question would be, why do you want to meet their expectations so bad? Could it be that you've never taken the time to be rest assured of who you are in Jesus? Could it be that that's my problem? And, and I told somebody after the first service, like of all of these things that I'm gonna talk about today, this is my struggle. That's why, that's why I'm able to get so specific with it because this is, this, is my, this is my struggle. This is my thing. And so we try to meet expectations and we try and we keep going and we keep going and we keep going and we get worn out physically. We get worn out spiritually. We get worn out emotionally. Martha, I have to believe, is so worried about Jesus's expectations that she's completely forgotten about her guest of honor. But Mary... At the feet of Jesus, you find out what really matters. Who really matters? You learn that you don't have to meet everyone's expectations because he says you are enough. He says you are loved. He says you are chosen. He says you are his. He says you can rest. He says you're not alone. He says I'll always be with you. He says you're valuable. He says you're accounted for. You're blessed. At the feet of Jesus is the only place to find that rest. They will never supply it by you meeting their expectations. They will only seem more demanding. So Martha does her duty. She prepares dinner. She offers the hospitality. Mary, on the other hand, she ain't doing none of it. From Martha's perspective, rightfully so, it seems like Mary's being a slacker. And if you've ever 
been a Martha, and that's why I don't want to rail on Martha, because if you've ever been a Martha, you know what it's like to have to pick up the slack, not just for what you're supposed to do, but for somebody else is supposed to do as well. And so Martha's been so concerned about picking up the slack and she's beginning to face this inner turmoil because Mary is being a slacker and she is being a sucker and overworking. And so she's starting to face this, this this inner turmoil and ultimately when she comes to Jesus, her problem really isn't with Mary because Jesus says it's fine for Mary to be there. Her real problem is Martha, it's herself. She's become offended. If you live your life constantly offended, it will wear you out and take you out. That's some of our stories today. Right now, the current temperature in our world Being offended is norm. Let's not be normal. Because what happens when you live your life to look to get offended, it wears you out because when you finally can justify how they offended you, even though they may not have meant to, but when you can finally justify it in your head, then what you have to do is you have to make sure that they get their due, right? So if they've offended me, I have to make sure they get paid back for it. And then if they don't, that drives the knife even deeper, doesn't it? And we live in a culture that loves to be offended because of what somebody did, because of what somebody didn't do, because of the tone they used, because of a word they used, because of a word they didn't use, because of, of, of the way they looked when they said it, because of, of, of they didn't bring me enough flowers, they brought me a dozen, I wanted two dozen. You know what I mean? Like we live in a world that loves to be offended. But if you live your life constantly offended by your spouse, by your kids, by your friends, by your coworkers, it will wear you out. Because you become like Martha. Jesus, tell them. Jesus, tell them. Jesus, tell them. Well, what happens when Jesus doesn't tell them? You get more bitter. You get mad at Jesus. I think I love how Jesus responds so gracefully to Martha. And I, I think this kind of shows that Jesus really didn't have a problem with what Martha was doing. But he, Jesus responds so gracefully to Martha. He says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset about all of these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. A lot of you are exhausted today because your priorities are out of order. Because when coming to Jesus consistently, trying to, I'm trying to explain it. There's just something about if, if I didn't have my time every morning with Jesus, And if I didn't sit at his feet, I feel like I would have been out of here a long time ago. But there's something about prioritizing time with Jesus. Where every morning it's not a fluttering heart kind of feeling, or every time I talk to him it's not a fluttering heart kind of feeling, but there's just a sense of purpose that comes into me. 
For some of you, you've prioritized the wrong thing for so long. Jesus isn't the first thing you think about. Rest isn't the first thing you think about. It's the last thing. As a matter of fact, you, even, you barely made it here or you barely tuned on in online because it's so far down the list. You've been so, you prioritize so many other things. Your kids, your spouse, making enough money, looking apart, doing a thing, keeping a schedule. And your entire priority list is is out of order and flipped upside down. Again, it's not bad. Jesus is not fussing at Martha here for being in the kitchen because food was big in this culture. The problem isn't in what she was doing. It was the priorities in which she was she was doing it. She was forsaking resting with Jesus for the mess in the kitchen. Just like you, the problem isn't that you love your kids. God, that's not a, that's not a problem. The problem's not that you love your spouse or that you want to make money. You need to make money. The problem isn't any of that other stuff. The problem is that you are forsaking what is most important for the mess in the kitchen. There's a reason Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. Because when our priorities are flipped, before we get to rest, we have to go through everything else. Jesus would later say in the book of Matthew, he gives some special instructions to those who are tired. And what I don't want you to hear me say this morning is that you're not a spiritual person or you don't love Jesus before, because you're tired. Because that is not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. You're a human being. That makes you human to be tired. But I think there's some things that we can do and Jesus can do some things in our hearts and in our lives to make us, to make us more of the people that he wants us to be. Jesus knew you'd be tired when he said in Matthew 11, 28, he says, come to me, come to me. Those words come to me are, they're personal words. This isn't a religion kind of come to me. It's kind of like when I get home from, from work in the afternoon and Riley comes running up to me. It's, it's personal, right? It's, it, it's, it's, not, it's not some formula. It's not some dogma. It's, it's not some doctrine. But Jesus says, come to me. Come to me personally. Child, 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 come, come. Have a seat. Settle in. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. The words weary and burden there describe like a hard, intense labor of working hard. I want you to know this morning that Jesus knows you've been working hard. He knows you've been working hard to get ahead. He knows you've, you've been tired for a long time. Jesus knows the things that go through your mind and he knows the battles you've been facing. Jesus knows you're tired. And so what does he say? He says, come to me. Rest isn't just long periods of inactivity. No, it's, a, it's, not, it's not passive. It's an aggressive running towards Jesus. It's, it's, an, it's an aggressive plan to spend time with Jesus and to spend time resting. To rest assured, you have to plan rest. To rest assured, you have to plan rest. You need to calendar in rest. And some of you are thinking, I ain't got no room. Surely you have 10 minutes somewhere where you can sit at the feet of Jesus and rest. 
Maybe it's on your lunch break. But we find time for the stuff that really matters to us, don't we? Jesus says, I want to give you rest, but you have to plan for it. Jesus keeps going. In verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To rest assured, prioritize your life. If Jesus keeps getting last place, you're going to stay worn out. If rest keeps getting last place, you're going to stay worn out. Maybe you make a list of your priorities and try to figure out what's out of order. But you're going to keep burning the candle at both ends because both ends have the wrong things on them. To rest assured, humble yourself. Jesus says, follow my example for I am gentle and humble in heart. And what I, what I mean by this is, what I mean by that is this. Some of you believe you can be the savior of your, your world and it's killing you. You think, if I can, if I can just, just get to the place, if I can just get to, the, get to the place where everything is right and I have everybody taken care of, then we can go on vacation or then I can rest, then I can have a weekend, then I can have some time to myself, then I can read a book. If I can just get everybody else taken care of, there is a savior and you are not him. Humble yourself. Say, I can't do it. I'm not telling you to get lazy. I'm not telling you not to do anything. I'm telling you that can't be the main thing. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And I, nobody leave for the next few minutes. I just, I want to get to a place here. So if you can, don't, don't get up. But if you're in the room this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would have to bet that you're tired. You're tired because the Bible says that we've missed the mark, that we sin against God. And the only way to get back to God is through Jesus. And so if you don't have Jesus, you can't be rest assured because you don't have a way to him. The good news is he did the hard work for you. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, rose three days later and said, I have defeated death if by, for anyone who puts their trust in me. So if that's what you want this morning and you want that kind of rest, say, Jesus, I know I've messed up. I am a sinner. I've done some things, but I'm tired of trying to keep up on my own. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose. My life is in your hands. I confess you as the Savior and Lord of my life. Teach me what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody look this way. God brought some of you here this morning. Some of you are watching online right now.
because he wants you to hear that he knows you're tired. He knows you're tired of trying to keep up a reputation. He knows you're tired of not getting enough sleep, of being woken up all hours of the night because of the experience that you had in the past that still haunts you and still wakes you up. He knows you're tired. He knows the things that you battle in your head and the things that are not your fault, but they're, they're somebody else's fault. They're a fault of your, of, of your past and he knows they still haunt you. God knows you're tired. God knows that you're tired of being strong for everybody else. God knows that it feels like everything is about to crash to the floor if you just stop a second. God knows it. He knows that you're tired and he sent me today to tell someone that he knows you're tired, but it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. But you have to give up control. You have to surrender and let go in order to be rest assured. Because see, where that comes from is rest assured means everything doesn't have to be taken care of. Everything doesn't have to be perfect because the rest that I depend on comes from a God who is almighty, who is all strong, all powerful. He takes control of situations. He knows the future. He knows the past. He knows the beginning from the end. He says, I am the head, not the tail. He says, he will never leave me or forsake me. He says, I am his child. He says, I am loved. He says, I am taken care of. He says, I am noticed. That's how I rest assured. It's not because I know everything is perfect around me, but because I know that a perfect God is with me. But we need to get to the feet of Jesus. We need to settle in. So for the next few moments, I wanna do something. And before I do it, I I know that this is gonna be weird for some of you, okay? Some of you are like, okay, continue. For the next few moments, I want us to practice this sitting at the feet of Jesus together. So if you're comfortable with it, don't, don't move around. But if, if you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. Just sit there and listen. But for those of us who would love to learn what it's like to be rest assured, with every head bowed and every eye closed, quiet your mind and Listen. Take a deep breath in and hold it. Hold it. Breathe out. As we just read, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me. Come to me. Child. Settle in. Come to me. All who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take another deep breath in, hold it, and breathe out. See, Jesus doesn't say you might find rest or that somehow you'll find rest when everything is perfect around you or when you meet their expectations. No. He said, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. 
It's a promise. Jesus goes on to say that he is gentle. And that in him, our very souls will find rest. Breathe in. Hold it. Breathe out. Listen to me. You can take Jesus at his word. You can choose to take all of your cares, your worries, your anxiety, your pain, your habits, your hurts, your insecurities, your insufficiencies, and you can give those to Jesus. Take a big breath in, hold it, and breathe out. Are you restless? Are you weary and worn out? Are you just tired? Don't have anything else to give? Do you need peace? Could this moment be just a little taste of the rest that he has for you. Remember that Jesus is patiently waiting for you to come to him all the time, anytime. Not just in a church service, not just while watching a church service. Take a big breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Bring everything that's weighing you down. Jesus is waiting to give you peace and rest. Jesus, thank you so much for not promising life to be easy, but for promising to provide us rest and assurance and direction along the way. God, I do pray for the man in the room this morning who is worn out. He's been trying to do what he thought was expected of him. But he's just tired and he wants to cry himself to sleep at night, but that wouldn't be very manly. And so he's been holding it in. God, I just pray. that you would give him rest. God, I pray for the woman who feels like she doesn't measure up to her friends or to her mama's expectations or to the perfect score that culture tells women they have to live up to. God, I pray that they would quit the pursuit of perfection and find rest in you. God, you are so good. Thank you for the honor of teaching your word. Thank you for supplying all of our needs just when we need it, and that includes rest. God, fill us with rest and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.